when you look at the the um, four four tetrads of the Anapanasati practice, these four four clusters of four. Um, the first deals with with the more the body experience experience of shape, form, body, second feeling, and the ability, the propensity to feel what one feels, feeling tone. Um, third deals more specifically with the uh, mind states, mindsets. And the fourth the, is, a, is the process, the Dhamma. This is the process and patterns um, analysis. And this particular um, process that's, that's set down there is the process of, of letting go or of, of release. <coughs> Sometimes the practice is talked about in, in um, terms of samatha and vipassana. Samatha means settling and vipassana means on looking. Um, so these, in, in terms of these tetras, then the first three um, describe the, the um, successive or preceding degrees of settling, 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 refining, settling, the way that, if you like, the, the attention can gradually work in to particular points that go closer and closer to the to the um, ground of the mind. The body is, is kind of out there on the frontiers, if you like, and then you gradually get closer and closer to, to where um, the mind begins its formulations, begins to create reality. So settling, that takes you as each stage kind of opens, it leads to a, a further um, movement towards the origins of the mind, origins of mental patterns. Vipassana is the quality of dispassionate on looking. <coughs> it doesn't quite mean insight, so there's a, there's a little bit of, of um, confusion around that, I think, at least in the in the Original use of the word vipassana is not a particularly common word. There isn't such a thing as vipassana meditation or insight meditation. Um, there's no particular system or technique for it. It's a particular um, vipassana refers just to the, the 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 aspect of cultivation that deals with just looking peacefully peaceful looking, looking dispassionately. So samatha is, is more like a, a, a careful activity of settling and stabilizing and then vipassana is looking on. And as the results of those two as they come together is, is insight or realization, or panya. So realizations come through looking steadily and peacefully at the process that one's undertaking or the way things open up. And in, in <coughs> so as one um, looks on, then um, the process of look, uh, the, the, the results of looking on, looking steadily, looking dispassionately, are the experience of impermanence. It's way of, of really feeling and noticing that the, the experience that, that one seems to be um, having or locked into or resisting or looking for or have established or got or whatever itself is, un, is a changing thing. It arose, it changes. So there is, in that, there's a softening of energy around it, one doesn't clutch it, one doesn't push it. There's a cooling out around that. So because of that cooling out, 
then there is the dawning, a realization of that which is cool. Um, there's a realization of that, that which is awakened. So it's not the mind state, it's not the thing that you've established, it's not the thing that you've built up. But it comes as a result of that, because having built something up, say, you know, a steady breath or whatever, and having worked on that, then looking on it, because of having something that's, that's steady that you can actually look on it peacefully, then you can begin to, to more fully realize the behavior of the mind towards that experience. The behavior of the mind towards that experience that has been created or conditioned. And the behavior of the mind will be either um, wanting to make more, get on, develop, have more, wanting to maintain and keep it steady, stay in that, or wanting to get rid of it, wanting to push it away. So that that's kind of behave that's the, the habitual behaviour uh, of of becoming, you know, of this process of karma. That's karma in a nutshell. So it's you c- <laughs> you can see it it happening around. And then we do something very very kind of simple and uh, well you know like breathing or you're just the feeling in your body. So you've got a, a kind of small object. And you're dealing with kind of just the, just the roots of karma, just the roots of it, which are want more, more, more. <laughs> <laughs> or this is exactly the way I like it. Don't disturb this, <laughs> you know. Or oh, get get this out of the way. When's the good thing happening? Why can't I be like she is? Why can't I get to where he's at? You know, that kind of thing happening. So that's is, is the roots of karma. So yeah. And so it's based upon, you know, there's a big I am there, and uh, that that I am is really um, a pattern projection. That is, experiences happen, they're recognized as an experience, a pattern is formed, oh, that's that, 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 that's the, yeah. So you've got a pattern, and then that pattern, one wants to occupy and make one's own by either saying, now I've got it, now I'm going to change it to make it better yeah. or now I've got it, I'm going to stay in this and nobody's going to move me out of it <laughs> I'm hanging on this is mine or I got this one, how did I get such a lousy deal, why have I got this <laughs> this isn't good enough for me I want, more, I want a different one yeah. so in any of these even things that one feels averse to one has actually taken ownership of so remember this, you're not averse to anything that you don't own So something that takes ownership of those irritating experiences. Yeah. <laughs> Says this is my space. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's it's possible to to get out of suffering through through this practice just by not owning anything. Yeah, it's a big thing to not own anything. But so here you can you work on just the kind of you know, the ownership of one little point in place and time is not, you know, you don't have to give up your whole life, as it were, but just this kind of, you've got a particular experience then you can, you know, work your stuff out on. Uh, and it's quite refined, because it's not, it's not um, well, the idea is it doesn't get terribly complex, though one can weave all kinds of complexities around it. But the idea of settling is so you get down to just the simple the simple drives to have more to maintain and to push away and then on looking into that just looking at that not you know criticizing it just looking at that those subtle pushes those subtle strains or perhaps not subtle gross sometimes but then who's doing that who's doing that what's it about What's the promise that, that 
that brings around that volition. I will be, I will be, I will be, is the promise. And it's uh, unfulfilled. So what's the agent of that? What's the agent of that activity? Where do they live? Where do they live? Where does that, where's, the, where's the agent of that activity? So it's in your heart? Do they have a voice? Can you recognize it? Is it a person? What is it? It's, it's, a, it's an energy. It's a hunger. It's a, it's a needing. It's dukkha. And so, but dukkha can only ever find dukkha. <laughs> That's what it goes to, because so. you, you're dealing in, you're living in a mirror experience. This so this on looking is like that. You have to review and then look into experience. So the impermanence of things, and the sense of the the dispassion, which is the beginning to contemplate from a recognizing passion. This passion is what recognizes the passion, the urge, the need, the want, the craving, the despair, the wanting to give up, the I've had enough, you know. And so this passion is the is that which is able to awaken to passion rather than take part in it or repress it. So this passion is bigger than passion, it's that which can contain and receive our passion without moving, without flinching, without criticizing, without objecting. The dispassion is not an annihilation of, of passion, it's the ability to receive passion without moving around. This is very, very a beautiful thing. So dispassion is a very compassionate experience, and um, so this is a, the, the deepening process of, of release. Is that first of all being able to see things changing, and then because of that, they have to process the change. The kind of want, the wanting that goes on around that, uh, you know, the wanting to make it go this way or that way, or establish it, or not have things arise that things will come up, things will change and flow. So that recognizing impermanence begins into touch with this and you, you're able to then see more clearly the suffering that comes from a particular activity of holding, resisting, pushing, pushing at things. And, you, you, and if you, you know, you can let go of it. You can, for a moment, just relax that, because it's an effort to keep struggling is an effort one can let go of that this, this passion when we begin to um, that it's a kind of something that evens out one's energies so um, this passion means that the, the passions of the mind are you know the Experience, we experience things in that way. Just being able to, to receive all that, not take sides with it. And you, you see or you experience more fully the arising and the ceasing of those energies. Because of that, realize they don't actually go anywhere. Passion really, you know, seems to seems to advocate and introduce the possibilities of tremendous stimulation or tremendous, you know, enrichment of feeling. But it's just like the waves of the sea; it just rises up and goes down again. All one experiences is its is its own, is itself. When is this passion 
there's the realization of something other than passion, something that doesn't go anywhere, something that doesn't rise up or pass away. So this is the peaceful experience, and it's a suffusive experience. Just as passion floods the whole system, um, dispassion you know, overflows the whole system. It doesn't just fill you up; it, it kind of it's, it's even larger than the area that the than what is filled by passion, because it's that which can receive it. So within that experience of dispassion, then the various kinds of inclinations and energies can arise and pass. One isn't, you know, taking a stand against them. So, but they're contained. They're not just bursting out and recreating each other. So you're not establishing any more karma in that way. This is, in this kind of um, process of realization, comes through on looking. And it's the case that um, for all of us there are things that we just can't, we're incapable of. The moods that come up. There's no laws there, there's no rules in the heart. It's a lawless territory <laughs> in terms of the feelings, in terms of the emotion. So you get these kind of swings of restlessness or dullness or irritation or craving, you know. And uh, that's the way it is. You know, that's, the, that's the vipaka kamma, that's the old stuff, that's the embers of the fire. And so it's like that. But the, the, the power of just containing it, staying with it, and it really comes from, un, from this understanding of the nature of passion, which always promises fulfillment, promises it will be better. But it actually just it arises and falls in the same spot and leaves you exactly where you were. The two most common hindrances or the basis of the hindrances are restlessness and dullness. And um, so these kind of feed the others. Restlessness, I mean, all, all of the hindrances are, are restless. They, they, they're demanding, they're nagging. They have a kind of keep pecking and pushing at you. So they have this kind of fundamental restless quality. And restlessness is something that um, we all experience um, uh, only completely enlightened and purified beings don't experience restlessness. So it's because of physical impingement, because of the just this succession of mind states, until one is totally cooled out about the body and mind, there's some sort of snagging onto those those mind states. Maybe you you know you let ten percent through if you're really good at it, you know, twenty percent through. You can letting thirty percent go through without snagging on them, you're doing really well. Um, but the sum catch you. So that snagging onto a mind state or a body experience, then you, you, you judder, you're restless. And in that experience, what, what comes, it, it becomes impossible to stay where you are. You just got to, like that. Um, so, uh, on, on retreat situations, are, are powerful. Um, forces for, for restlessness because of having living in a formal structure without much to go out on. So, you know, about day four, it's out with the roller blades, it's out with the <laughs> tennis rackets, it's, you know, what you did, what your computer games and things, there's something to do, you know. And it always seems kind of reasonable because it always a way of justifying itself, time to get on with this, or, you know. But what actually, what, what we, what, you know, if you really look in those things and don't just take them for, um, for granted, that here, you know, there's a particular form of practice in a retreat centre, so just kind of, you know, so don't just take for granted 
movements outside of the practice, nor to just be kind of dogmatic about it, but really look at what, what, what's happening there. What is, what's the expectation, sense of oh, freedom, break, you know, space, release, <laughs> let me out. <laughs> you know, and, and is there an out? Or when you're sitting in meditation, you know, and then your, your body feels a bit uncomfortable. And you just shift and you get into a better position. And then just a little shift and get into another better <laughs> position. <laughs> Maybe just another cushion under here. That's, that's better. Now, if I could just get my shoulders right and get my head focused. <laughs> now, there's that funny itch in my nose. <laughs> Feeling all right, but now I feel okay. Somebody's moving. (laughs) I was just getting set up, now somebody's starting moving next to me. What a nerve. (laughs) There's a kind of common itch of, of conditioned existence. In which one's said off either by your own stuff or other people's stuff gets you going. Or you're a fly buzzing on the window pane of <laughs> I want to try and settle down. But there isn't any settling like that. But look at if you really on look, on look at that, okay, this is that, that experience that kind of Restless, fidgety thing. And just look at, on, look at it. What's it saying? Saying, you know, it will be. If only that would go away, then it would be all, all right. Okay, you buy it once, twice. <laughs> if you went to a, a grocery store and you kept buying rotten vegetables, you wouldn't keep going back there again, would you? You know, if you went there and said this is going to make me feel satisfied and peaceful. And then they said, sure, you know, and they gave you this and you didn't. And you went back for another helping, and you got three helpings, and they think, I'm not going here again, you know. Uh, so the, the actual antidote to restlessness is just patience, being patient with the, the, the fidgety discomfort, resting in it. So it's that... that that tensed energy, that activity to resist, is kind of surrendering, giving up to the little kind of irritants. We can do that. It's partly this this um, idea that that things could be perfect, or that things could be better, which is, of course, is prevalent in option rich. America. <laughs> yeah. 123 flavors of toothpaste. <laughs> so, you know, just to give up options is a very, very powerful thing to do. But you recognize the, you know, were these um, summoners, these people practicing in, in, uh, in these jungles in India, I bet, you know, it was pretty irritating experience. You ever sat in a forest with ants and heat and sweat and these kinds of things going on. And just being patiently it's actually feeling that and it's just developing that breathing out into it. And you find that actually if you do that then those things don't they don't they don't impinge. They're sort of there but they they don't stick into you. They don't they don't drive into your heart. You can just soften around it. You don't get that same impingement impression. When you have a a group of 80 or so people, then there's some total. We can look at one hand, the sum total of, of, of everybody is all our karma. 
So we're, we're actually in this huge karmic stew pot <laughs> together. <laughs> All this stuff bubbling and heaving around. So naturally, there's that, you know, that's a pretty feverish brew. But if one develops the great compassionate heart, this sense that we're all helpless in this, this is what's happening to us. We don't want it to be this way. It's like this. And then just, you know, letting yourself rest in it. Resting in it, stopping that particular activity of the mind. At that point, you, what can arise in you is a realization of the tremendous blessedness of the human form, human condition. Once you, you step out from that activity of focusing on the, on the imperfect and the flawed and the, and the suffering and the conditioned and all that, just to, just to not get mesmerized by that and to receive it, and it's realization of the tremendous beauty and dignity of human beings, uh, a sincerity, our wish, our aspiration, a love of peace, our inclination towards loving kindness and truth. And then this, you get the grand-hearted uh, realization of a grand-heartedness in which we 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 recognize each other's flaws and with with sympathy rather than being irritated by it all. So the, this is how these realizations occur. If you're able to actually acknowledge, you know, the wanting things to be permanent, acknowledge the, the, the passions and moods of the mind, and then just, just be peaceful with that, not, you know, push it away or try and jump over it, just be peaceful with it, rest in it, then the mind opens, it changes, and you get a, a vaster perspective where you feel in tune, you suddenly think, it's all all right, it's really all right, it's really quite fun actually, it's interesting, and it's all right, and there's a path, so this is the, the process of the, the Four Noble Truths, and there's suffering, can suffering be understood? This doesn't mean, you know, oh, I read a book on suffering, it's very interesting. But can you stand under it? Can you stand it? Can you stand with it? Can you embrace it? And the cause, when you see the cause, is this pushing, driving, resisting, angling, manipulating, wanting mine. No, don't, not for me, more. <laughs> and then, you know, that kind of, that's an activity. That's not actually a person there. It sounds like a person. It sounds like it's, it's a real me, but it isn't. It's, it's an action. And then just as it's an action, you can, you can, you can rest that action. Even just for, for one second. Once you see, once you experience it, just that it can be rested, it, that it can be rested, then you, you know maybe you don't get back to that for a while, but you, something has dawned. And then maybe it takes a little while to, you know, because you feel peaceful. Oh, I think I understand. Oh, oh this is all right. I, I, un- I understand. I've got it all now. And then, oh, that's funny. I feel a strange sense of suffering coming up again. Because <laughs> once you own truth, then you get into the same trap again. You know, I never understand. <laughs> but there is understanding. We have that, there is that. But if you expect to be wise and dispassionate all the time, then you're going to suffer. Because that's clinging, isn't it? That's saying, now I've got it, now I want to be with this forever and not, never be stupid and, and all that again. <laughs> so, you know, you have to let it be free. Cessation the, the, the third aspect of the process is, is the, the stopping, which, which means rest. Niroda means to arrest something or put, bring something to a standstill. It doesn't mean to wipe out or annihilate. So you have to be aware of that. There's a tendency in the mind, strong tendency to annihilation, 
get rid of this. Kick it out, get rid of it. I don't want this. Let me out of here. This is not cessation. Cessation means stopping a particular psychological activity. And part one of those aspects of psychological activity is the psychological activity which says, get me out of here, I don't want this. <laughs> so that, that's an action. You can feel it kind of surging and, and pushing. Get me out of here, I don't want this. Let me, well, you know, this isn't mine. So that is one of the activities that is the stop. And the other, of course, is the, I want this, get me in here. <laughs> I want to belong to this. So that's another activity. Yeah. And the stopping is just the stopping those, bringing them to a standstill. And it comes through this experience on looking, the detachment, this witnessing of the changing nature of things, the understanding, the encompassing, the embracing of the passions. And then, because of that, we stop. Mind stops. And when there's a stopping, there's the awakening, knowing this has stopped. The awakening, awareness hasn't stopped, but all that churning has stopped, and the needing and the expecting has stopped. So even something like dullness, dullness, there is obviously there's things like low energy, um, fatigue, but this isn't dullness. Dullness is a kind of a complex of um, not re- not um, taking part in, not not relating to. So it's it's quite significant. Um, you know, we have all-night meditations in, in our monastery. My monastery in Sussex is quite common in, in the monasteries of Ajahn Chah's lineage. We have these meditation vigils that go on till um, three or four or five in the morning. So, you know, you, you start off at seven, so in the oh. 7.30 you just kind of go through. Uh, well... <laughs> <laughs> You know, as you can imagine. So, you know, 11 o'clock or so, people are starting to get a bit swampy. And, uh, yeah, and getting quite out of it. You know, get really, oh, you know, really tired. And then somebody suddenly comes in with a tray of chocolate. And it's amazing how everybody suddenly, the, the, the <laughs> dullness immediately alleviates. It's gone. It's suddenly, you're right there, you know, people are really engaged. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty easy hindrance to get rid of, isn't it? <laughs> so, you know, what happened there? You know, when we were so tired and vital- no vitality at all, just by something to get interested in, um, so, because there's something one can kind of take part in, whereas low energy isn't something that we're inclined to to get involved with. You think, oh, this is a, you know, your 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 whole system is is geared to saying, oh, that's it, it's shut off time, it's bye byes, you know, it's downtime. But then, you know, when it's like, okay, so it's downtime at five o'clock in the morning, fair enough. But then it's downtime, eight o'clock in the morning, and ten o'clock in the morning, <laughs> two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> so, you know, what's happening? You know, <laughs> you get the the the. It's uh, when the mind isn't isn't able or capable or willing to to participate in the experience that's going on because it's too not enough stimulation in it. This is an aspect of this um, vibhava, or the, the wanting to get out. So it's like you're, you're held in, so you don't really, you're not quite out, but your mind is getting out, your attention's getting out, you know, your willingness, your, your enthusiasm is out the door, because this thing isn't really worth engaging with. So, um, in stopping that, it really 
it requires uh, the stopping that activity requires a great great heart um, great compassion the, the willingness to participate to to give oneself to whatever's going on and this in the long run I mean there are things you can do like opening your eyes and standing up and so on to to just give you a foothold on it but as a proclivity you know so when your energy is low doing these kinds of things but as a, as a, as a con- ongoing tendency yeah. it's to recognize that thing the absence the great the great abdicator that absence from experience yeah. and then be present commit participate and you can do this say like even with things like chores and so on you know, there's a way of doing a chore where you can just yeah, okay, well, that's good enough, I reckon, yeah. <laughs> flick, a, flick a rag over it or whatever, yeah, well, that's fine with me. I kind of like it like that. <laughs> you know. Or you, so that's the, or you get the kind of automatic dullness, which is more like a, a lack of initiative. So this is when you come into a room and maybe you've got a vacuum cleaner so you switch the vacuum cleaner off and you get this nice dream and then you just kind of push on the carpet and you've done the room you know and the, the sound of the vacuum cleaner is is a very close representation of the mind state which has <laughs> got about as much intelligence in it as a vacuum cleaner <laughs> but then so you know, going into a room and then actually looking around. You know, and you've actually scrubbed the carpet so that you've almost worn the pile out with this vacuum cleaner. But you haven't noticed the line of dust on the windowsill, you know, or the, the glass needs cleaning, or the flowers have died in the vase, they've been there a week, you know. So just looking around and, you know, taking initiative, ingenuity, personal involvement, making something... Um, matter, even though it's not mine, and I, I'm not personally interested in it. So this kind of cultivation, um, and when we recognise without that that quality, you're always going to get indulness. And, you know, it's indulness is something that you know, really makes you feel suicidal, horrible experience. So you know, if you really want to. <laughs> deal with this hindrance and not just in a superficial way just being able to brush it out through a, some technique or another you've got to actually change change the, the, the whole behavior and attitude of the mind to not from you know what my feeling is or what I'm interested in but just giving yourself completely to, to, to a thing for its own sake purely for its own sake and then you, you, you know then your mind isn't dull anymore you can have low energy states where there's not a lot of clarity or sharpness, but you, you, you're there. You can be present with that. You know, something in your mind isn't absenting itself. And with these drives like restlessness and dullness, they're very, very primary things. They're, they're just the basic inclination to either get and become and have the bhava or, or the vibhava, which is to get away. And you don't deal with those just on a superficial, you can deal with them on a superficial level, but the roots of those go very deep to, to fundamental assumptions about self. I am. What I belong to, what concerns me, what I need, what I will be. And really questioning those. Where do they get you? And then this ability to to bear and to open to things that are imperfect and then to commit to things that are not interesting give yourself to it you won't regret it in, in these situations you have the boundary of the sila the precepts, so that's safe so if you keep within that and we all re- respect that then we can rest we can give ourselves to it, it's alright it doesn't hurt won't do us any harm. 
and then you find there's a waking up, taking interest in what's the welfare of everybody in the in the in the group. So the stopping of uh, a compulsive activity can be through come around through bringing up a particular activity that counteracts it. So you remember that stopping and resting is not an annihilation, not a damping down, but that which which brings around a fundamental change in certain behavior patterns. So they, they're not there. You've brought them to a rest. And the results are that there's this awakening. Niroda, cessation, this is definitely um, a synonym for realization of something beyond these personality drives and opening into something vast. And the Patinitsaga, this is the complete relinquishment. There's a development or uh, the which um, is the not picking up, if you like, so that from cessation you get more and more clear about how the process begins, which is this creating a self-pattern around experience, throwing this net over experience, trying to catch a river in a net. <laughs> you tried to catch a river in a net. <laughs> then with relinquishment, you don't bother throwing nets in the river anymore. So, from the conventional point of view, this entire life and this meditation is a complete waste of time. <laughs> There's nothing to be hauled out of the river. But it takes a, you know, it takes a long, it's a, it takes a long time to actually, you know, have realised that. <laughs> it's not despair. It's a, a lack of ambition, and a lack of uh, uncertainty about um, the conditioned existence. So then we can participate in it completely because that's um, there's no we're not we're not trying to find something in it. So you prepare, one's prepared to be part of this experience, and you can use it for awakening. Now, this, this is, say, the process of, that comes through establishing, settling, and then on looking. Um, the two together give rise to realization. debate or the question is well how much how settled do you have to get how clear do you have to be so then there are these various points you know the the rest of the sutta shows you where you can develop that within that within that the schemata of anapanasati and basically the street wisdom goes that uh, you know that the if you can um, bring yourself around to cultivating the, the first tetrad, that's the first body, then this, this is adequate, this is enough to give you a very good foundation for letting go. You can use that body base, breathing in, breathing out, and just keep letting go of the craving, the interest, the suppositions, the all these things about you know, developing this or developing that or getting this, get those kinds of urges. You can just keep relinquishing and be with the simplicity of that. It may be that uh, because the process is a natural one, that as that as that there's there's a familiarity and a settling into that, the mind tends to naturally open and invite. So one should follow this path modestly. <coughs> You don't. Uh, the the beautiful thing about uh, Buddhist meditation is, you know, the, when the Buddha taught it, he covered just about every base, 
every possibility from the lowest, you know, or the simplest to the most refined and the most highly exquisite. He said, this is all you, you can, you can cover this whole, I've been through the whole, the whole scoop of it all. Now, so that all, the ordinary mind will think, well, I want to get to the, you know, I want to get up to the high spots. But for realization, you don't actually need to get to, you can do, that's the way it goes, but it isn't necessary. So the best is not necessary. You know, second rate is good enough. <laughs> this is a, this I know is, is an astonishing teaching. <laughs> <laughs> It's difficult to grasp the profundity of this, but actually the second rate is definitely good enough. <laughs> it may be, you know, it's depending on your karma. So that sense of modesty, like, well, this is, this is what I can do. And so knowing where does the mind, how does the mind settle? What can your mind settle with? Where does it find settling? With the right kind of energy, with the right kind of wholesomeness, with the right kind of aspirations and and, and energies with it. No one finds you, you set, then on look look on at that. Contemplate, learn from that. And this is going to change, isn't it? So as you were saying last night, you kind of cultivate anapanasati with a head cold. Then you know you're not going to be getting into the the pity sukha, the rapture and you know this isn't going to be happening, is it? So you can of course make that an issue and start <laughs> going on about it. Or you say, well, this is as far as you can get. You can recognize bodily sensation and then the, the resistance and the aversion to particular bodily sensations and the frustration about not being at it. And then you can keep letting go of those unwholesome energies. I taught a month retreat to Anapanasati a few years ago and one guy had hay fever throughout the whole retreat. So he never got one, one innovation. <laughs> he stayed with it, which was very admirable. He stayed with it, just practicing that. Yeah. Just staying with it and letting go around that. Because it was very easy to focus on. Yeah. So things like you know, discomfort, pain, colds, Things like they're, they're easy to focus on. <coughs> but settling into it is a matter of attitude. But recognize this is as far as you can go right now. The karma is this. This is, this is you know, what you got. And when it, it's physical in a way, it's easier because there's something more inevitable about it. When it's mental, it's more difficult. You know, this is, this is what you got. you got. Your mindsets are like this, you know. So you, you're kind of very tense or whatever, then you're not going to get in, you're not going to, don't try to refine too much. If you're kind of very tense, sort of, just get spacious and, and easy, you know, like just breathing out and relaxing and feeling happy. Just make, making that your practice rather than you've got a kind of very refined mentality that likes to get into little details of things. Then, no, you're never really going to be settled and be satisfied on that energy. So, just making it something very, very simple breathing out, letting go, breathing in, breathing out. So, just working with the, the mental karma that's present, the mental vipaka, the mental state that you come from, until so you find a point when. You know, just settling, settling yourself. This is, this is as far as it goes right now. Doesn't mean that's a final statement, but at this point, this is where it's at. And now can you, on, can you look on at that and develop wisdom through that? Let it, uh, let it speak to you. Let it present a picture of the um, compulsive habits and then stop, be dispassionate, step back, and then learn to bring those habits to a standstill. And you, 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 you'll be amazed how very simple, you know, sometimes embarrassingly simple, embarrassingly mundane <laughs> things can give you great realizations. This is the beauty and the, and the magic of the practice. And you find that 
once one, when you tap into that, then a whole lot of karmic habits will just suddenly shift. And then without having tried, you, you'll find that suddenly your mind has moved on to a, a deeper point in the practice, not because through trying, but through letting go of the obstruction. So it is, out of cessation, the third noble truth, out of the experience of cessation comes the path. There's one, something in you, lets go, stops, brings to a standstill a particular compulsive attitude or habit. There's an opening and you see the path. You really see how the path has always only ever been having this clear right view and acting wholesomely on a very intimate level, acting with wholesomeness right down to the, the most intimate aspects of your, of your heart. And that will something you can rely on. <laughs>